good afternoon, church family, and uh, Merry Christmas. Um, I'm Will Hurst, and I'm a community covenant member here at the Well, and am one of the uh, CG shepherds for Great Hill CG. Uh, this afternoon, I'll be reading from John 16, starting in verse 16. <clears throat> a little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he's saying to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me. And because I'm going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he's talking about. Jesus knew what they wanted to ask him. Uh, so he said to them, is this what you're asking yourselves, what I meant by when I said a little while, and you will not see me, and again, a little while, you will see me. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but the sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman gives birth and she is sorrowful, because her hour has come, but when she delivers a baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that human being has been brought into the world. So as you have sorrow now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take the joy from you. And this is the word of the Lord. Amen. Friends of Christ, how are we? Good, good. Merry almost Christmas. We ain't there yet, so I got a couple of days to get that Amazon Prime delivery gifts on time, which you'll procrastinate in sales. All right, that's what I told myself like an hour ago, all right? So, um, kids, welcome to the gathering. Uh, we're glad that y'all are here. Uh, you're special, okay? You are a gift from God. Uh, you bless the Lord. You're not a kid, Anthony, but that's all right. You're special too, okay? Uh, hey, listen, children, Jesus loves you, all right? And Jesus wants you close to him. It was actually one of the pivotal things in Jesus' ministry, and I hope that you experience that even today. Uh, parents, don't feel guilty if your kids are kind of doing the groove thing a little bit, all right? It's okay. Uh, we're on our last week of Advent, and we're talking about joy, and children may be our greatest educators on this topic anyway. And so I'm praying that in some ways the children would bring us joy into our gathering, and some of them might actually even talk during the sermon, you know how I feel about that, okay? Uh, last theme, joy. Quick recap of Advent. Advent is the word arrival. It is the Latin word meaning the arrival of Christ. It's the season leading up to Christmas where we remember uh, God becoming man, that deity got wrapped in flesh. This is Christ's first descent. And we also look forward to the second arrival when deity will be coming back, when our flesh will be renewed, when we will be with Jesus forever. We are awaiting the return on Christ. And we're focusing a little bit more on the second advent, the one we find ourselves in this Christmas season, but also remembering the first as well. Now, the sermon today is going to be a little bit shorter so that uh, don't know kids get super Pentecostal and catch the Holy Ghost amongst us, all right? But I want to go deep into the topic of joy nonetheless, so I would encourage you to, to, to zoom in if you can. I actually love that the Christmas season ends with the theme of joy because the Bible tells us in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, that we need all of this joy if we're going to make it through this life and if we're going to anticipate the next one that is to come 
And this is the reality of us as believers because Jesus, he came bringing tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, right? The angel, they brought good news to uh, to Mary and said that this is good news of great joy for all people. Luke chapter 2 verse 10 tells us, God is for your joy. John 15, 11 communicates to this. Literally, Jesus is telling us things so that our joy might be full or complete and recognize that what Jesus is trying to do is give us his joy. John 15, 11 tells us so that we might have the fullness there of it. Joy is a command in the Bible. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. This is something that God desires desires and even commands of us. Why? Well, we are made in the image of God, and God himself is a joyful God. Galatians chapter 5 verse 22 says that the fruit of the Spirit, one of the ones is joy. This is what God produces. Literally, the fruit that comes out of him as he exists is joy, which is why it's something that you and I deeply crave. And family of God, This joy was initiated eternally. It was inaugurated at the birth and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. And this joy is coming again. This joy is coming for us. Joy is something that we should love. It's something that we should love talking about, something we should think about, something that you and I should deeply pursue. You see, the Bible is actually obsessed with joy. It talks about it all of the time. In fact, on the screen are all of the different Hebrew and Greek words that are used for joy. And those words are used over 650 times in the Bible. God created the entire world for our enjoyment, actually. The scriptures would proclaim to us. It says that the beauty of nature in Psalm chapter 65, verses 12 through 13, that this is a part of our joy, that nature and the world around us is is girded with joy that you and I might experience it. Wine in uh, uh, Psalm chapter 104, verse 15, it says it's for our enjoyment. And so God created this little thing called a grape. And one day somebody was real irresponsible with that grape and let it ruin. And they drank some of it and it was like, okay, Lord. What the enemy meant for evil, God turned to, right? Weddings, Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 11 is for our joy. Kids, no wine till you're 21. Praise God. Hallelujah. Friends, right? Proverbs chapter 27, verse 9. Friends are here for our joy. Or children, Children, you're in the Bible often. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 24 and 25 says that children are actually meant to bring joy into families. And so God gives all of these common grace gifts. You don't have to be a Christian to experience any of these. God bestows all of these graces upon us because God is not some lame, callous, or cruel God that does not want your enjoyment. He's a good father who longs for your joy. God is a good dad, and he wants your joy. He isn't distant like some fathers have been to you and I. He delights in our joy because we are his children and his creation. I think about the Christmas season, right? Any good dad wants to see their kids have joy on Christmas. It's not like Christmas morning you wake up and you're like, I hope you're miserable today. 
Like when your kids are opening gifts and they're happy and they're excited, it's what you desire as a father. You literally wrap them or the wife wraps them in our family because it looks like a one-year-old wrapped it when I do it in ours, all right? But you wrap them and you watch them unravel them because you want them to be filled with joy. And if we as bad fathers long for joy for our children, how much more does our good father long for joy for you and I? Can I get a witness today? God is good. You, my friend, were created for joy. It's actually why sadness and sorrow and suffering and mourning, why those things feel so foreign to our souls, y'all. They feel foreign because it's not what you were created for. You weren't created for this trauma that this world tends to throw on us. You were created for joy. And if you're a Christian, it will be yours eternally. You're going to a place where there will be no more sorrow and where there will be no more suffering. Eternal joy, family, is one of the great hopes of the Christian faith. It's the thing that we look forward to. We were created for this joy. Now, the reality, though, that you and I live in is that we were put in a fallen world where this joy is often lacking, and your Father in heaven is not ignorant to that fact either. You see, sometimes we lack joy, and this is actually our fault, Because we take God's very good gifts that we just talked about and then we make them the ultimate gifts and therefore we're taking what God intended for joy and we're making those things out to be God's. You tracking with me? And so since they weren't intended to be God, rather they were intended to be joy bringers, when we use them outside of their intended purposes, they are neither God nor joy bringers in our life because we're not using them the way they were meant to be used. And we do this often. So we worship nature, or we overuse wine, or we idolize marriage, and we make these common grace gifts to be gods in our life, and then we're lacking joy because of our own sin. This is part of the reason we lack joy at times. Other times we're missing joy because of the broken effects in the world around us. You see, we can't have children Or we have friends who hurt us, or they sin against us, or we see the the fallen nature of the world around us, so we lack the joy that God desires for us to have because of the broken world that you and I live in. And either way, whether it's our sin, or whether it's the sin of others, or whether it's just the sin of living in this world, there is this absence of joy that you and I can tend to feel. The reality, though, is that God allows us to feel that absence as a witness to the reality that you were not meant for this world. You were meant for a different world, a better world, a world that is coming, a world where there will be no more sorrow. This earth, Christian, is not your home. There's something far better coming. Even in the context of this passage, this reality bleeds true, does it not? You see, Jesus is talking to his disciples about all of these gut-wrenching realities that they find themselves in. And after telling them in John chapter 15 that he is for their joy, he's also reminding them that suffering is real and it is present. He isn't sugarcoating the fact that suffering is coming. Look at what he says. It's on the screen there. He says, you will see me no longer. You will weep. You will lament. 
The world will actually love my death, and this will anger, and this will sadden you. You see, suffering is real for the followers of Jesus. So the Bible does not command you to have a plastic surgery smile of joy. It actually acknowledges that at times this world is hard and this life is broken. It doesn't tell you to ignore the the pain of, of sin or of sorrow. This isn't helpful, nor is it necessary for the Christian. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 20, we see this, or verse 10, I mean, this reality that we find ourselves in, that we are sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. How do those two things line up? We're poor and yet making many rich. We have nothing and yet we possess everything. You see, Christians, we have a different type of joy. It's realistic joy. It's hopeful joy. It's sorrowful yet rejoicing. And there's this balance, this this fine tightrope line that we walk in as believers because really what our joy is is looking forward to the second advent toward a greater truth than the reality that's in front of us today. You see, our joy is based on our faith. No, y'all didn't hear me on that one. Our joy is based on our faith. Because we believe that God is real and what God says is true and good. You see, the world, their joy is dependent on the circumstances right in front of them. And if the circumstances aren't right, then their joy is robbed. But our joy isn't placed on our circumstances, but rather on the person of joy himself. And as we find this reality of joy, our joy is based on our faith. And then our joy is made full because we know that joy is coming. Joy is coming for us, family of God. Ironically, there's actually beauty in what the world desires, their circumstances to be right. God wrote that on their hearts. He wrote it on their hearts that circumstances should be right around us. It is something that you and I should desire. One day, if you believe in Jesus, then every single circumstance in the world will be made right. Did y'all hear that? Right? You will be the head and not the tail. Your, your, your former, your latter days are going to be better than your former. This thing that we kind of reject sometimes as, as Bible-believing Christians in fear of sounding prosperity, it ain't. It's coming, y'all. It's the reality of the kingdom that is to come. We should long for this. But the Bible also knows that as we long, suffering is still near. Yet and still, circumstances can't fully snuff out our joy because we know he who snuffed out our sin, that joy might be eternal. It will be, and he is currently making all things right. And so while we long for the right, we can rejoice in the suffering knowing that this right is coming. Even in this passage, look again, Jesus over and over and over again says, in a little while, in a little while, in a little while. If you're reading it out loud, it feels really awkward to read. Thank you, Will, for reading that for us. Because it sounds like, what are you talking about, dog? And it makes sense. It's a little bit confusing. But Jesus repeatedly focuses on this idea that in a little while, things are going to change, y'all. In a little while, this world will be very, very different. Our hope will not be deferred because we have shalom eternal and we will be with love forever where our joy will be everlasting. Therefore, we can have joy despite our sorrow. Even in this passage, I love that sorrow isn't removed and then joy is brought in. 
In reality, it says that your sorrow will turn into joy. It transforms into joy or blossoms into joy or your sorrow actually makes way for the joy that you will get to experience. This is what Jesus means by child pains. The remembrance of the pain isn't necessarily removed, right, ladies? Right? For those of you who have kids, I've never had that. But my wife is like, I don't know if this passage is real. Okay? Well, it is, right? It's not that the pain is necessarily removed. It's that the pain paved way for something that was well worth the pain. That when you're holding this, this fruit of this pain, then there's something beautiful about that. And you were willing to go through the pain that the fruit might produce. Well, you and I as believers, we are in the midst of this, of this pregnancy in some ways. And, and the pains of childbirth that we're experiencing are the world around us. But the birth will birth the kingdom of glory forever. The Savior that we will hold is Jesus. You will be birthing joy and that will be yours forever, family. This is the joy of Christ. Amen. This is the life of the Christian. You know, we're kind of like Israel in the wilderness as I think about them. I love Psalm 105 because throughout the whole psalm, there's this reality of the exodus from Israel. And he carries through all of the, the circumstances that they found themselves in. And then in verse 43, he says that he brought his people out with rejoicing and his chosen ones, what did they have? They had shouts of joy. You see, these people were freed from, from slavery. And so they rejoiced. And yet, not fully, because they were still in the middle of a freaking desert, y'all. Right? Like, like, that's why they just grumbled three days after this. Now, their grumbling was wrong, but it was kind of understandable to an extent. You see, and we, I believe, are a lot like the Israelites. We are freed from slavery of sin and slavery of death and the slavery of Satan, and yet we're not in the promised land yet. We are advancing towards the land that God has promised to us. And so in the midst of this, though we feel the desert heat try to drain and sap and rob our joy, like Israel, we should still give shouts of joy because we know what we've been delivered from and we know what he is delivering us to. The place that steals joy never, family. The place where no one, Jesus says in John 16, did you see that there? No one will snatch that joy from you, family of God. Nobody will snatch the joy that Jesus is going to give to you. Nobody. There will be no desert to drain. There will be no serpent to sap. There will be no enemies to exhaust. There will be no sin to spoil your joy. It will be yours forever. Hallelujah. This is where we are going. No one will take this joy from us because Christ himself is our joy and ain't no one laying a hand on our Savior and King any longer. <laughs> Hallelujah. He will be our delight forever. This is what we long for, beloved family. This is the joy we await. And you see, Jesus proves this by coming into the world the first time. It is he who is joy himself, who faces sorrow, this unquenching sorrow on the cross, so that you and I, who should be sorrowful forever because of our sin against a holy God, he takes on that sorrow that you might have joy everlasting. 
that you would forever be happy, y'all, in Christ. The thing that every advertisement tries to shove in your face, this happiness, and the thing that most of us work our lives trying to gain is this happiness. It is yours in Christ Jesus. It is yours in Christ, and it will be yours forever. And no one will take that joy from you because ain't no one defeating Christ any longer because he has overcome and he will overcome for all of eternity. And so saints of Christ, I want to encourage you, experience the fragments of joy today so that you would hope all that much more in the joy that is to come tomorrow. Taste the goodness of God when he's here and realize the beauty of who he is that you might hope for all that much more. Listen, I want to end looking at how Jesus starts and ends this passage. In John chapter 14, verse 1, as he's beginning this, and then the very last verse, John 16, he talks about our hearts and the importance of commanding our hearts towards certain things. And what I want to encourage you in as we enter into Christmas season to tell your heart that even though sorrow might last for the night, joy is coming in the morning. Because we know he who in the morning, three days after his sorrow, resurrected. And if he resurrected for you and for I, that we might have a life everlasting, then he also resurrected that you might have joy everlasting. And because he will never die again, neither will your joy. It'll be yours forever if you believe in Jesus. And your joy, family of God, it will be complete. And so don't tamper joy as you're a believer, feel the sorrow of the world around you and then make it long for joy that much more. And when you experience, thank God, but know that a greater joy is coming and it is yours in Christ. Amen? Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Let us pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for joy. Joy in the midst of sorrow, joy in the midst of victory. We have joy. God, I pray that we would remember this reality during Christmas. God, if our Christmas is bringing us joy, then let us long for the greater joy that much more. God, if our Christmas is bringing us sorrow, then let that sorrow make us long for the rejoicing that much more. That we could be sorrowful and yet rejoice because of the beauty of our King. Whatever our lot is in this season, let us long for the greater lot that much more. Father, I pray for those in the room who actually may not have a relationship with you. They haven't yet embraced this joy that can be theirs. Friend, I want you to know if you came in and you're not sure where you are with Christ, that Jesus willingly laid down his life so that you can have joy. God is not a wicked father, friend. He's a good dad that wants your joy. So much so that he would spill out everything that you might have it. And if you believe in him, then this joy is yours. You just simply have to place your faith in Christ and follow him. 
And God, for those of us who have placed our faith in you, would you, even this moment, God, even if it's only a fragment and a glimpse, even as we end this gathering, would you just produce a little bit of joy in us? And would that little bit of joy be a seed of faith that we need to endure this life? And would we long for the greater joy that is to come? Would we long for the joy that you have purchased for us, Christ? Come, Thou long expected Jesus, come. And until you do, come in our hearts today and remind us of what is to come. Praise in your beautiful name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're going to take communion.